Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to sports on a Sunday morning. There's a swing and a long one. That's a goner for Bader. Touchdown, Kansas City. Johnson pops a three. Hey. Presented by Brown Crouppen. Brown Crouppen, 222-2222. Oh, the Bayou Billiken says I'm involved too. On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Sports on a Sunday Morning here in St. Louis. I'm Mike Claiborne, and it'll be you and I for the next two hours, and we have a lot of things to talk about, fun guests that will be coming your way. We'll start off, though, we'll talk a little bit about yesterday's activities around the St. Louis area and certainly Columbia, Missouri, and the St. Louis University Billikens got things off on the right foot. Good one, trapped deep in the corner, gets it to Collins, splits the D. He's got numbers. Here he comes, lightning quick for Jimerson off the wing. Bang, he got another one. Hall of Fame broadcaster Bob Ramsey on the call as the Billikens won yesterday over LSU from the SEC. Javante Perkins with 32 points. Billikens now 2-0. We'll visit with Travis Ford a little later this morning and find out what's next for his ball club. It was a historic day in Columbia, Missouri for the Missouri Tiger football program and college football. History is on the field in Columbia, Missouri, as Sarah Fuller is about to put her right foot into a football, speaking volumes to women around the world. Awesome, awesome moment. You can hear the crowd. Everybody understands what's happening right now. This is a pretty cool moment. Kick down at the 35-yard line, and Sarah Fuller, happy Thanksgiving. That was pretty cool. That was pretty awesome to see. What a moment. Pretty cool it was for everybody who follows college football, and congratulations to Sarah Fuller. It was the only time she was on the field for action as the Missouri Tigers shut out the Vanderbilt Commodores yesterday by a score of 41-0. We'll talk with Coach Eli Drinkwitz a little later about his team, and uh, it was a fun day for them as well because they racked up a ton of yards. The defense was outstanding, so we'll talk with the coach a little later. As far as college football is concerned, Alabama continues the roles. They climbed all over Auburn yesterday. COVID continues to ravage college sports, especially when it comes to the top 25. Five of the top 25 teams in the country yesterday were unable to play as time is now starting to run out on those schools when it comes to making up games. They may not have enough time to qualify for the playoffs. And if you think it's interesting in college football, in case you haven't heard, the NFL's got a problem with the Denver Broncos. They don't have a quarterback who is uh, is negative as the three quarterbacks on their roster are not able to play today. So they're going to be relegated to using a receiver and a running back for their uh, quarterback position today. So that's going to be interesting to watch. So if you were trying to game plan the Denver Broncos, I think they're going to run the football a lot. So it should be fun to watch how they are able to adjust. And the New Orleans Saints, their opponent, 
how are they going to deal with things? Are they just going to stack eight in the box and just let their their ears go back and see what happens? Well, I would say stay tuned for that game. It now has some sort of interesting meaning. When we come back, we'll have a chance to visit with the voice of the St. Louis Rams. He's Steve Savard. We'll talk about the passing of our good friend Jim Hannafin earlier this week, and we'll have that coming your way when we come back here on KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown Crouppen. Brown Crouppen, 222-2222, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Sports on a Sunday morning. We go back to the guest line and standing by is the last voice of the St. Louis Rams. He is Steve Savard. Steve, first of all, good morning, sir, and hopefully you had a nice, safe Thanksgiving. I did, and hope you did too, Glaib's Good to be with you on a Sunday morning. Well, let's talk a little bit about one of our, our, our dear friends. Uh, the passing of Jim Hannafin took place this week, and you know, you've known him for a long time. You work with him, and and I'm wondering for you, having a chance to work with him, and then also, I don't know whether you were around to cover him, uh, why do you think he was such a well-respected person, not just as a, as a football coach, but as a person, as an, as a, as an individual? Because I don't think there was any veneer. You know, I, I think he was <laughs> as real a person, a, a celebrity, a sports celebrity, as you're going to get in this town. And I think that, uh, you know, he's another example of, a well-known coach or athlete who had the means to live anywhere he wanted to after leaving town. And he always found his way back to St. Louis. He loved it here. He was one of us. He loved the people, you know, a little bit like uh, my friend, Jack Snow, great charisma. Uh, You know, I've, I've had so many people contact me and say, you know, I met him for the first time, but it was like, we knew each other for 50 years. And, you know, he was a storyteller. And if you sat there, if, if you, if you let him tell you that, that story, a, you're going to be entertained. B, you might have heard it five times before it, but you're still going to laugh. <laughs> and and he was just a, he was just priceless, and he was one of us. And there was you know there was no pretense about Jim Hannafin. What you saw is what you got. And I think he was a genuine human being who happened to get who happened to live in in NFL VIP circles and not act like it. Yeah, that's a great point. And and I always remind people that Jim Hannafin was an outstanding player in his own right. He led the country in receiving in in 1957 at Cal. And and I think he was a guy, uh, Steve, that could have coached any position. Line coach was where he made his fame in. But uh, Jim Hannafin had a real understanding of the game. But I think he even had a better understanding of people. Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. And um, I think that would have translated, like you say, to any position. And why couldn't he have coached wide receivers? He was a great one himself. He was a first-team All-American, led the nation in receiving his last year at Cal. So, yeah, I think his success would have, would have uh, transcended just the offensive line position. He would have been good. And you know what? Hey, let's not forget, until Ken Wisenhunt, and he only beat him by one year, until Ken Wisenhunt in the desert, Jim Hannafin was the longest-tenured head coach in the history of the Cardinals football franchise. That dates back to 1937, spanning Chicago, St. Louis, and Arizona. Six seasons, almost yeah, six seasons is what he had. And to be honest with you, had uh, they had one more timeout in the finale at RFK in 1984, oh. and they had a little bit more time for Neil O'Donoghue to set up. If that kick goes through the uprights, Jim Hannafin's coaching, I don't know how many more years of the Big Red because they win the division and that winner-take-all game. And then, you know, unfortunately, uh, you were here. You, you, you followed it. 05 uh, or 85 kind of fell apart. But think about that. In the history of the Cardinals franchise, and it's coming up on 90 years, Jim Hannafin is, is the second-longest-tenured head coach just behind Ken Wisenhunt. And he just got passed in the last 10 years when Wisenhunt was out in Arizona. 
That's amazing. Uh, you know, you had a chance to work with him in the booth. And it, I, what was it like for him to watch the game from that area, considering he'd spent all of his life on the sideline? I think he enjoyed it even more than he thought he would, although it frustrated the living heck out of him on a regular <laughs> basis. He couldn't separate, and I think it's why fans loved it. He couldn't separate uh, himself, the coach, from the objective broadcaster. And he never crossed over into that realm, and I think people loved him for it. Now, it was interesting for me because I never knew it was coming. I mean, my head was on a swivel all the time. Um, there were times when, you know, I, I told the story to Dan Caesar in, 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 in the post. His, his default phrase was, oh, blank, and he wasn't even aware he did it. And one, one year it was 20, 20 times in a row, and he thought we were making it up. Not in a row, but over the course of the year, we put it on a CD form. Jim Stasi did, and we just howled listening to it. Hanny had no idea that's what he was saying on the air, and so then he became very protective about not getting not getting us FCC fines, and he would just clam up. He couldn't trust himself. We'd go to break, and we'd have a six or seven play drive, and Hanny wouldn't say but ten seconds of analysis, and we'd go to break, and I said, Hanny, said, where are you? And he says, Ah, Stephen, Stephen, I can't trust myself. I'm going to get us thrown off the air if they don't start playing better than this. And by the way, he, he and my mother are the only people in the world who've ever called me by my real given name, Stephen, and it just seemed natural when Andy did it. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because he would call me Michael. I mean, I think the, the people yes. he was around that he was comfortable with, he would call you by your given name. And uh, he, he was such an eloquent guy, uh, one of the great connoisseurs of wine, as you well know, and, and just yes. a, an interesting person. Away from football, there were so many things that he knew about that, oh, uh, and he no, always he, remind you. He said, "Well, you know, that's what a Cal education to get you more than what you bargained yeah. for." He would always use that yeah. line. <laughs> yeah, he dropped that one on you, but you know, he, he you read my mind here because Jim was more than just a football coach. You know, a lot of times you've been around football coaches, assistant football coaches, who are defined by the four walls of the building where they're working and by the one loss record. Jim Hannafin was much more than that. What I didn't realize until you know, he and I had struck up a friendship when he first came here uh, and as a coach, and he was just so, so gracious to deal with. And then, you know, our friendship grew as we, as we became partners. But one thing I didn't realize, he was a voracious reader. I mean, he, yes. was, he would dig into novels. I mean, 500, 600-page thick novels. And he'd, he'd read four or five a year over the course of these road trips. And so <laughs> we had a routine. Jim would sit in the, in the window seat. I'd sit in the aisle. We'd have our we'd have our, our our meal, and then Jim would break out. He'd get rid of the tray. He'd break out this the book in this magnifying glass that was roughly the size of my skull, and he'd go into reading that book. And I could see out of the corner of my eye as we're going, about half an hour after dinner, that head starting to bob. He's starting to fall asleep. Finally, I'd hear a familiar sound every flight. It was the thud of that oh, the book monstrous. <laughs> no, it wasn't the book. It was the magnifying glass. So he'd get woken up. When the, when the pilot would come on and say, we're, we're, we're heading into wherever we're heading, here we're beginning descent, prepare. And he'd look at me, and I'd look at him, and I'd laugh, and I knew it was time to unbuckle, and I got down on my hands and knees, and I fished that, I fished that uh, magnifying glass out from the seats beneath, uh, in front of us every week. But Jim was a great reader, a great connoisseur of much more in life than just football. You know, uh, everybody's got a handy story. And I remember, gosh, I, I was – in the business, maybe a year or two. 
And this is when you would hold the press conferences in the PR director's office. Okay. You know how you have your Tuesday press conference. Sure. And, and, and one day he just about had enough of a couple of writers who kept asking these probably <laughs> asinine questions in his opinion. And the Cardinals had just hired a former general manager of the baseball Cardinals, Bing Devine. And Bing sat in on the meeting and Bing readily admitted he didn't know a lot about football. So he would ask a question from time to time. And Jim was very patient with him. And so he said it one more. He asked Jim another question. He said, well, I know, you know, because I don't know a lot about football. And Jim just pulled back and put, took a cigarette out of his mouth and said, oh, you're not the only guy here that doesn't know anything about football. And he quit. He asked every writer, every radio yeah. guy, every TV, including the cameraman, how much football did you actually play? And he went around the room and. I think the collective um, years of experience between two writers was like a year and a half of JFL football. And he leaned back in that chair, took a big drag off of that cigarette and said, you see, you're not alone. Just like that. And yeah. I mean, the room was dead silent. He had so many stories. So you give me one of your favorites before we get out of here. Well, he, he, he told me that story must've been at least a dozen times, but he always punctuated with, he found the one guy that had played high school football. And he says, you know what? You ask every question from now on. Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's just there's just so many stories, but um, the 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 day that the day that stands out is the day in Arizona we had in '06, his first full year. You know, he filled in after Jack got sick in '05, but in '06, um, I watched the steady stream every week of these NFL VIPs just beat a path to get to Jim Hannafin before kickoff and spent five ten minutes with him. It was incredible. And one day, Bill Bidwell walked in. And he said, is, Miss, is, is Jim Hannafin here? And I said, yeah, Mr. Bidwell is down there. So I cleared the booth figuring they wanted some time. And I thought what was going to be a five or ten minute meeting turned into a half an hour. The only reason I broke it up is because we had to start the broadcast. And I looked at Hanny, and he was really touched. And I said, boy, it's clear to me he, he hated, even to this day, having to fire you. And he said, you know what, Stephen? I think you're right. That was really nice. We just had a really, really nice meeting. So even the guy that fired him loved and respected him. And later that day, that was the infamous call where uh, he had predicted an unlikely fumble back to the Rams late in the game. And he had just told us it was going to happen in the commercial break. And, we, you know, we're looking at him like you're crazy. And it happened. And he jumps up to his feet. And he gets so excited saying, I told you. I told you. And he says, I got a cramp. I got a cramp. I can't move. I think the first time anybody in an NFL broadcast from a booth has ever announced a cramp and that they were – frozen solid, but they were um, that was Jim Hannafin. it was raw and unfiltered passion for his team and for playing the game the right way. Well, you know, I wonder if Bidwell gave him the name of the locksmith who changed the locks at halftime. You remember after the, when they fired him at the end of the season and they changed the locks I had at heard halftime? That story. Yeah, I had heard that oh, story and, you know, believe me, there was some, you know, you don't get fired in, 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 in a situation like that without some hard feelings, but I just thought it was, it, when I went back and looked at Hanny, he was kind of teary eyed and he said, that was a really nice that was a really nice meeting I just had with Bill Bidwell. So my point is everybody respected Jim Hannafin in NFL mm -hmm. circles for good reasons. He was a great man, a great coach, and he was just much more than just a football coach. He certainly was. And, you know, one, one thing we didn't talk about is nobody watched film better than Jim Hannafin. He found a tendency, if you scratch yourself in the same spot more than once, he was going to have it written down to let everybody know, hey, when he does this, this is what you can do in return. Nobody paid better attention to the game than him. Attention to details, Mike. One time I was afraid to ask him. We were in Macomb, the second of, of Dick Vermeil's long practices on a 110-degree heat index day. <laughs> He's out there working with – remember Willie Smith, the big tackle from Grambling? Oh, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Went on, Willie Jones, I'm sorry, Willie Jones, went on to start in Kansas City for a little bit. He was very raw. Jim Hannafin, in his 60s, after a second three-hour Dick Vermeil practice in 110-degree heat index day, is on his hands and knees working with his feet. And this is going on for 20 minutes. I needed to talk to Hanny about a story I was doing on the offensive line. He, he, I said, Jim, I won't even bother you. He said, Stephen, whatever you want, I'll stand here, whatever you need. And uh, so his attention to detail, there wasn't anything he wouldn't do to make one of his players better. And that includes staying on a football field after six hours of practice on his hands and knees. Think about all the Hall of Famers can thank him for being where they are. Hey, Steve, it's uh, been a pleasure, my friend. Good to talk to you and uh, best of luck. And hopefully we'll be in touch here down the road. Thanks, Claves. Appreciate it. I'll just leave you with this. Hanny was one of a kind. <laughs> There's no doubt. You know what? I remember one day I had lunch with him and Mike Shannon. And you talk about two of a kind. They were the same guy, two great Irish guys that just had the time of their lives just shooting the breeze. And, and I'll never forget that afternoon for sure. It, it turned out to be a longer one. It was not your normal hour and a half lunch. Let's just put it that way. I, I put those two together for a Sunday night feature on my Sunday show, and I had to put it make it a two-part series because it was so long <laughs> and so hilarious and so entertaining. He's Steve Savard. I'm Mike Claiborne. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have a chance to visit with another Cardinal great. How about Otis Anderson? He's coming up next here on X. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown & Crouppen. Brown & Crouppen, 222-2222, on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Four minutes left in this game. First down from the 24-yard line. This is Anderson again. 30. He may go. Anderson may go. He's to the 30. The 25. He's going to break it all the way. Touchdown. Oh, he gets a spike in now. There you have it. There was an interesting day, a Sunday afternoon for the great Otis Anderson, who joins us here on KMOX, his old stomping grounds. OJ, it's first of all great to have you back on KMOX. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, and you know what? You don't, you don't ever forget that sound I just heard. You just remember that, and it was such a great, pleasant voice, and uh, it was great to know that it was done on KMOX, man. Hey, got to love it. That's right, and you were a former employee here, the Otis and Theodis show every Monday night. <laughs> That's right. I had uh, Otis and Theodis. It was EJ, OJ, and it was OJ and Roy, so... I had quite a few cast numbers on my show. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was great to hear you hear you hear that call, and certainly it's good to talk to you. Uh, as we remember Jim Hannafin, and he was a guy that had a lot to do with your success here in St. Louis. Uh, do you remember your first encounter with Coach? Yeah, um, um, I think it was when I was when we realized we were getting him as a head coach. Um, he said the man um, just. Just, just hearing the rumors about the kind of person he was and how players love to play for him, the whole offensive line, uh, just you know, rave about how we were getting the perfect uh, player coach and the relationship that was going to be awesome with him, and he's going to take us to great heights. Yeah, that's interesting. You bring up the offensive line because you you were having a pretty good run before Jim Hannafin got here. Uh, but he was a guy that really galvanized that unit where the consistency was there play after play. But the other thing that comes into play with him was the fact that he had a keen eye for talent because he was a guy who thought it would be a good idea for Roy Green to get some more playing time. We knew Roy as a defensive back. 
He puts him on the other side of the ball, and all of a sudden, here comes Roy Green, and that's got to take the pressure off of you because they can't put eight in the box anymore. Exactly. And you know what was interesting about that was every day after practice, Roy and I, believe it or not, would go over and, and play one-on-one. Uh, when I was in West Palm Beach, I used to work out during the offseason with Lamar Paris, defensive back for Cincinnati Bengals, and he was teaching me how to be a DB. Uh, before I went off to college. So I would come back at the practice and I would line up with Roy and play wide receiver with Roy to to the point where that Roy got so 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 good that I was like, you need a real D B over here now. So and, and that's how I started. <laughs> yeah, that's messing around. Yep. Wow, that's incredible. And and Roy and you and Neil Lomax, that that was some sort of offense you guys were able to put together. Speaking of which you had some great games in St. Louis, but one stands out. We were talking about it just a few minutes ago with Steve Savard. That game in Washington, uh, the final game of the season. Uh, I don't know if we've ever seen a greater offensive display between you, Neil Lomax, Roy Green, uh, than what we saw in that second half against the Redskins. Jim Hannafin was on the sideline for that one. What was that game like for you, and what did Hanny have to say during the course of that game? Well, he said we, we, we got a chance, uh, you know, just – they just keep doing what you're doing. We got them off balance. They don't know what we're going to do. Uh, they can't figure us out. Uh, we pounding the ball. We throwing the ball. It, it was just a great trio of a, of excitement that happened that day. And for you, uh, I remember that last time the kickoff return. Uh, you were a kick return guy at Miami, and all of a sudden we see you on the goal line with Roy Green. Um, and I think you returned it for a pretty good chunk of yardage, and I was wondering why would they even kick to either one of you guys? Well, that was a good question. Um, you know, <laughs> during my whole career at Miami, that's kind of what uh, what what Lou Saban did to me. I, I I played kickoff return out of West Palm Beach, Florida, Forest Hill High School. I was number one punt and kickoff return in, in Palm Beach County. I go to Miami, I never got a chance to play until my senior year. One day we were playing Florida State. And Lou Saban said, go back there and run kickoff. I looked at him. I go like, Coach, I haven't done this since high school. And plus, I haven't done it. He's like, I think you can do it. And there I go. So it was kind of like the same thing. He said, hey, you, you've done it before. I said, not since college. He was like, you can do it. <laughs> As we wrap up with Otis Anderson, uh, best memory you'll have for Jim Hannafin? Actually, it was that Redskin game. We were – we were having our team meeting, and we used to take wages. Me, Roy, uh, Lomax, Tilly, um, I think it might have been Leonard, EJ, on whether or not Coach Hannafin was going to get emotional and cry. Those were, <laughs> when, when Coach Hannafin got real emotional and cried, for whatever reason that may be, we always had one of our best performances, and we would be passing money around as he gives the the, the the speech, and and that Redskins game, he cried, he cried, and boy, I tell you what, we we had fun that day, we had fun. That was an and, you know, he was incredible just game. He was, he was so passionate about his players and and passionate about the organization, and you just wanted to play for him. You wanted to give your all every time you went out, and, and we didn't do him justice because you know we ended up in in '85 not having the season he should have had, but we all got hurt. But he was there with us. He stayed there. He 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 was um, a player's coach, and every offensive lineman 
that I knew and played behind, when they knew we were getting him as a head coach, all they could say is, we about to rock and roll now. Otis Anderson, um, it was it's always great to visit with you. It was a delight to watch you play. And on a personal note, man, I am so looking forward to the day where you get called to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You are certainly Hall of Fame worthy. Uh, just hang in there because your day has got to be coming here down the road. Well, I appreciate that. I just kind of wish that good men like Coach Hannafin and, and Dick Jamison, those guys, would would be still with us when that day comes. So they'd be there in prayers. I know they'd be looking down and saying, we knew it was going to happen. So I appreciate that. Hey, well, you hang in there, my friend. And both, by the way, your good buddy Charlie Tuna told me to tell you, hey, I, I was with him and uh, recently. And we we had a few stories about you. We we went back and forth a few times, but I want to make sure you heard from him as well. Well, I appreciate it. Please give him my 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 love as well. Uh, he he was a good guy, good guy to be around, and he was fun. Yep, he was fun. All right, hey, Otis, again, thanks for the time. Best of luck, and hopefully the next time we talk, it'll be on a more uh, happier note. But uh, to have you on X is always an honor and a treat for us. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you, KMOX, for doing what you've done for so many years. That's bringing great sports to all of St. Louis. All right. He's Otis Anderson. I'm Mike Claiborne. When we come back, we'll have a chance to visit with Travis Ford, the head coach of St. Louis University. They had a big win yesterday over LSU. We'll talk to the coach after this timeout. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning, presented by Brown and Crouppen. Brown and Crouppen, 222-2222 on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back, everyone. 1040 here on KMOX. Mike Claiborne here. We were hoping to visit with Travis Ford here in just a few minutes. Good day for the Billikens as they beat LSU from the SEC yesterday, 85-81. And, man, you talk about scoring both teams going up and down. It was it was what I would call a pickup game, but it was an entertaining game for sure. As we go to the guest line, standing by as a head coach of St. Louis University, Travis Ford. Coach, good morning. And as I mentioned, uh, it was an entertaining game. Anytime you can score 85 points, and as long as you score more than the other guy, you have to be a little happy, don't you? I know every coach wants to be good defensively, but you had to enjoy yesterday. Yeah, you know, it was um, <laughs> it was a good win. It's uh, first great to be on with you this morning, but it was a good win for us. Uh, you know, we took a, a pretty good punch from a, a great team and were able to sustain it. Um, and, you know, it, it was, as you mentioned, a high-scoring game. I think both teams were kind of trying to figure each other out. And, you know, we were changing defenses. They were changing defenses. And, you know, it was uh, it, it was an entertaining game as far as just both teams kind of throwing big punches at each other, making big plays. But, you know, that was a talented LSU team. I, you know, it, it, I can't imagine there being five to ten more talented teams in the country, you know, one through eight, nine, ten. Uh, so, you know, it was a good win for our team. Uh, I thought we did a lot of things well, uh, especially on the offensive end, uh, made our free throws, uh, had a two-to-one assist turnover ratio, and then a 21 assist to 10 turnovers. So those are all positives. Hey, you know, for you and your staff, you, you guys had to do some real coaching on fundamentals because this is a team at LSU you didn't know a lot about. You haven't played them before. And the way the schedule is worked, you don't know who they're going to have available to their squad. Uh, how much fun was that for you to actually say, all right, we're actually going to implement things that we do well, the things that we stress well, instead of having that game plan of saying this guy can only go left and this guy can only do this. 
you actually had to do some coaching along with your staff, which I, I know had to be fun compared to some of the other games you've had to work. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, early in the year, it's usually the case every year. Early in the year, you don't you don't know exactly much about the opponent you're playing because there's not many games to scout. You know, we go into our first game against SIUE really knowing nothing because neither one of us had played a scrimmage or an exhibition game. Uh, it was the first game for both of us, so we knew nothing. Uh, similar to LSU, they had some new players, uh, and they'd actually changed their style of play from last year quite a bit. Uh, so that was a challenge, especially for us, who we do. We take a lot of pride in scout reports. We we really spend a lot of time, take a lot of pride in preparing for games. So these first couple of games, we, we had to, as we told our team, we got to rely on our principles. Everything we've taught from day one, our, our defensive principles, rather than knowing what play's coming, just, work, just de- you know depend on uh, what we've tried to teach from day one. Same thing offensively, uh, just got to execute. Uh, make sure we're very fundamentally sound, how we screen, how we wait on screens, uh, spacing on the court, uh, all the little things that can add up to be big things. Um, and, and, but that's, you know, both teams are going through it. Both, everybody's going through it right now. But again, it's a little different when you haven't played exhibition games or scrimmage games. Uh, you just don't know much about each, uh, each opponent. Coach Travis Ford of St. Louis University is our guest here on X And Coach, um, when you look at what's going on scheduling-wise, I know you put a call out to some teams that you're available to play, and I know Notre Dame had mentioned the fact that they had, they were looking. Do you think we're going to see more of these regional games uh, compared to making the long-haul travel? And have you thought about making that call up the road to Columbia? That's closer to Notre Dame, and I think you might have some people that would be slightly interested in that outcome. <laughs> well, you know, we it, it, scheduling's always in flux at this point because of canceled games and uh, people having to maybe go in quarantine, things like that, and games are canceled and there becomes opportunities that are there. There has to be, you know, both teams have to have dates available. Both teams have to, you know, uh, it has to fit within their schedule. It's not necessarily that one date. It's what game you might have next. So, you know, we did reach out to Notre Dame. I think, you know, they uh, they might have already, uh, you know, had an opponent or, or whatever. Uh, and we're reaching out to other teams that might be available. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I don't know as much as about regional. Uh, I think it's just about having dates available is the biggest mm-hmm. thing at this point. What's been the biggest challenge for you as a coach? Um, you know, you, you on the front end of COVID where the season got shut down. Now you've gone through an entire eight-month process, and you've had a chance to get your kids on the floor. But what's been the biggest challenge for you and and your staff as far as how to get kids ready and dealing with all the protocols and the rules and everything else and hoping that you don't get that phone call late at night saying that somebody tests positive? Yeah, you know, as we told our team, as we remind our team every day, this is a – you just got to be able to adapt. You got to be flexible. You know, you got to just take advantage of each day that you do have and – uh, enjoy the opportunity when it's there and try to try to be the best you can today because you don't know about tomorrow. And we kind of use the phrase win today. We need to win each day we can because you don't know and you can't control it. You do the best you can. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we talk to our team every day about all the things you, you shouldn't be doing, things you should be doing. Uh, and I said, we can be perfect and somebody could still get it. There's no guarantees. But the biggest thing I think that, uh, you know, that has been a concern a little bit for me and things that are biggest differences. We normally are a team that spends a lot of time together off the court talking about 
different things in life, talking about motivational things, talking about our team, and we just spend time together. And those days aren't there. We're we're not able to to to, to spend that much time away from the court in room together, just talking about each other, talking about our team, talking about you know, uh, you know, motivating our guys, talking about things we need to do. As I call it, just trying to put, you know, trying to push the right buttons as a coach, putting your thumb on certain things. You know, you're not together a whole lot. You're not eating meals together. We used to eat a lot of meals together, things like that. You're not eating any meals together, none. You're 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 spending very limited time together off the court. And to me, that was probably one of our biggest strengths, I think, in the past for our team is things that we've done off the court to, that can help prepare us on the court and prepare our guys for life. Uh, those things just aren't there as much right now. That time, that 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 real intimate time that we've gotten to spend together is just not there. You, you had some players that weren't available to you yesterday due to injury and not COVID. What, what's their status for your well, next game? And how, how were you yesterday? How'd you come out of yesterday's game? Did you lose anyone along the well, way injury-wise? No, we got a few nicks and bangs that were in yesterday's game. Um, we don't think of anything serious. Uh, but, you know, we were missing Hassan French, who was out with concussion protocol. We expect him to be back any day, any second now, uh, hopefully. Um, and then Fred Thatch, who's uh, nursing a little bit of a, uh, a knee injury that we think uh, is progressing along really well. He might be out another five, six days maybe. It, it's kind of undetermined at this point. Uh, we just, you know, all injuries, we've dealt with a lot since we've been here. And my guys know, you know, you're not getting on the court till you're, till you're healthy. Uh, and we take it day to day. And, you know, uh, we uh, we don't try to make any excuses. Uh, and we got to play with the guys that are in uniform. But we do definitely want to get everybody back as soon as possible. Who's up next for you? Because as we know, this schedule is, is kind of floating these days. Yeah. So I, I know you write everything <laughs> down question. in pencil now. So, <laughs> so have you heard who your next opponent might be? Well, we do have a schedule together. We do have a schedule. Our next scheduled opponent is Saturday, a uh, week from yesterday, against Arkansas Pine Bluff here at Chaffetz Arena. Uh, but we, we might try to put in a game in between there, possibly. Th- those things can happen. Everybody's doing it, you know. At this point, I've heard of some teams putting together a game within 24 hours and playing the game uh, the very next day. So uh, things are, uh, you know, very fluid. Uh, we're keeping our eye on everything. But right now, our next schedule game is uh, next Saturday. All right. Now, what am I? I was told the other day that the dress code has been relaxed as far as coaches are concerned. Uh, can you elaborate on that at all? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're you know we're not wearing suits. No one's wearing suits this this uh, this season, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if it doesn't carry on uh, from this point on and in, in, into other seasons. You you know, different people are wearing you know some people are wearing kind of a pullover type shirt. We're 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 wearing a kind of golf shirt, polo shirt, whatever you want to call it, with slew basketball on it, things like that. So uh, I I, I kind of like it. Um, you know, it's much more relaxed feel. So yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you this, it saves on the wardrobe for sure. And there are some coaches, none on your staff, that just don't wear a shirt and tie as well as they could. Maybe uh, if they had somebody pick something out for them along the way. But your staff has always been fairly dapper. But there have been some other guys who look like unmade beds when they come out on the court. But this might be a look. I think you're right. We're going to see this down the road because it's a lot more convenient for a lot of people. And 
Um, yeah. uh, and I got to think, I mean, I'll ask you this question. When was the last time you wore a necktie since COVID struck? Oh man, Mike, it's been, it's been a while. I tell you, it's been a while. And, uh, you know, I enjoy getting dressed up, you know, different times like that and putting on a nice suit. But I tell you, yeah, you do well uh, though. No, you're yeah. okay. It, you know, it, it's not yeah. you I'm worried about. It's yeah. some other guys <laughs> I've seen out here that they would get pulled over and get, get ridden up a citation because of what they walked I, out of the house wearing. Hey, man, I, I, I understand. I understand. You know, I said, why don't coaches, we should come out in full game uniform like baseball coaches someday. Oh, you know, no, 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 no. Let's pump the brakes on I might that. want to jump in the game. No, 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 no. And you you would be okay because you'd find that one board on the floor you could stand on and just pump threes. But there's some other That's coaches, right. man. They, their days are well in the rearview mirror. So let's just yeah. let's just stay yeah, with the current right. garb and let's call it a day. I'm with you. All right? I'm with you. Let's not get too you. carried away. Hey, Travis, as always, it's great to visit with you. Uh, hang in there, and hopefully you guys will get some games in. Uh, congratulations on yesterday, and we look forward to talking to you down the road and uh, continue to have fun and making the most out of a challenging situation. Man, always good to be with you. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot. Uh, all right, Travis, take care. He's Travis Ford, the head coach at St. Louis University. And uh, next hour, we got a lot going on. You want to talk baseball? Let's talk some baseball. We'll visit with Bob Nightingale, the USA Today, and talk about what's going on in baseball. I mean, you know, when you think about the other sports in, in the NBA and the NHL and the NFL, when free agency strikes, man, it is a feeding frenzy. Baseball, crickets. And we'll talk with him about that, along with what he thinks the Cardinals will be in the need, in the need for when 2021 season rolls around, and when will this season start? So we'll have a chance to visit with him locally. We'll have a chance to talk to the Cardinals president of baseball operations. He is John Mozalak. I haven't spoken to Mo in some time, so I'm looking forward to that. And Eli Drinkwitz is going to join us. We'll talk about what took place in Columbia yesterday: 41 nothing victory for the Tigers. And it was a good win on, on all three fronts, special teams, offense and defense, and certainly Sarah Fuller's appearance on the field uh, is something everybody's been talking about. So we'll have a chance to chat with him about that. And uh, that's how we're going to shake out the next hour. As we mentioned at the beginning of the show, a lot of things going on in the world of sports. The NFL is taking center stage today because of the, the COVID situation with the Denver Broncos. None of their quarterbacks, registered quarterbacks is what I'm going to call it, are able to play today, which means they're going to have a backup running, a backup quarterback, the emergency quarterback who is a running back and also a wide receiver who played somewhere like in 2015, a couple of snaps. They are going to be charged with the quarterbacking duties for the Denver Broncos. The Broncos even tried to get a quality assistant coach activated. The NFL denied them that plan. So, I think for a game that probably didn't have as much of an interest to a lot of people, all of a sudden, everybody's just going to see what kind of show this is going to turn out to be as the New Orleans Saints will provide the opposition. And if you're New Orleans, all the things you had game planned for, whether it was Drew Locke or one of the other quarterbacks, that's out of the window. It's going to be back to just maybe Sandlot football, just like we had pickup basketball yesterday. So it's going to be fun to watch that game. And, of course, in case you were wondering about the Ravens and the Steelers, you remember the game that was supposed to be played on Thursday that was supposed to be played today? It's now been moved to Tuesday, we hope. So a lot of things unfolding in the NFL that we'll talk about, but we're going to get into baseball and college football in the next hour. And the only thing we're missing is you. So we're looking forward to you being part of the next hour with us here on Sports on a Sunday Morning on KMOX. I'm Mike Claiborne. We'll take our break. 
We'll come back after the news with more to discuss, and we're looking forward to having you be part of it here on The Voice of the Cardinals and the Billikens KMOX. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 